right, everybody. Welcome back. Let's um, do it. Right, right. So we talked about the uh, FIFA international break. Uh, however, every league wasn't on a break this weekend. Uh, so the domestic league, the National Women's Soccer League, or NWSL for those uh, who are sort of familiar with it, still played. In fact, they kicked off their Challenge Cup, which is their preseason tournament. Um, yes, sir. Started last year, first successful team competition to be carried out in the country uh, in the pandemic. It's been a source of conflict, right, with the FIFA window, just because a lot of our prominent players and national team players aren't able to play for their club teams for the first two or three games, depending on who they play for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think players have spoken about that. Nonetheless, Challenge Cup uh, kicked off on Friday. And so we're going to get into that. We're also going to quickly touch on the collective bargaining agreement that's coming up for the NWSL. It will be their first and just a few of the highlights that we think should be in there. Uh, and then we're going to jump into the action because there certainly was action. Yep. Because chaos cup. But yes. get into Let's start talking about this CBA. Yeah. So I think just thinking about what this could look like and some of it we got from the WNBA CBA, uh, which is a completely different conversation, right? That league has different needs, uh, different amounts of players, that kind of thing. But we took a couple of cues from them and we'll gladly post that link directly to that CBA for you so you can take a look. It's a lot of reading, but we hope you dig through it. Um, But for the NWSL, I think to become a fully formed professional league, that's sort of what we're aiming for here. Mm -hmm. A few things that we need to touch on. I think the homie Sky and I both uh, very much agree that league minimums need to be raised. Yes, they Um, do. It's not high at all. Like most people in education are gonna start like entry level positions making more than professional athletes make as a minimum. And that's not a knock, right? I think both of those professions should be making more money, but just to be comparative, that's really not the case with almost any other professional league in this country. Um, And we want to treat these athletes, these women, our non-binary siblings uh, who are playing in this league with the respect a professional athlete deserves, right? And that includes paying them more in terms of minimums and quite a bit more, right? Sort of the higher five figures would probably be a good place to start so that they don't have to take on second and third jobs. Yes. Even though they're playing, you know, eight to nine months out of the season. So with training and preseason and everything else, uh, we want them to be able to be sort of free and happy to play the sport that they love and provide for their families or themselves. So that's one. Uh, what else are we looking at? So also um, we're looking at in terms of like setting a time frame for player rights retention mm. and then actually laying down equivalently to free agency. But in all honesty, a transfer type of agreement where players aren't treated as assets. They're actually treated as human beings so they can mm-hmm. dictate where they go, when they go and how they go. Um, Even if you got to play transfer fees. So you don't have these incidences where players are having to go overseas mm-hmm. to correct what's going on. Um, with their player movement because trades are happening without their knowledge or they're getting sent to places that they didn't want to without mm-hmm. any kind of input, whether it be an expansion draft, whether it be a dispersal draft, whether it be just any draft or even within the season, um, really given and having um, owners and uh, front office individuals really, really be considerate of players uh uh desires in terms of where they want to go similar to what happens overseas i mean i think this is particularly important because in um international uh leagues they have the transfer windows they don't trade they don't do this crap that happens in this country right uh you have to tell them where you want to go and so i've heard too many horror stories of international players coming over here and they thought they were playing for only one team and they Mm -hmm. get traded out the blue even sometimes the same year to a team that may not be as professional, may not be what they desire to come over here for, and they're stuck. And so you really need to change, if you're going to be a professional league, the um, way you treat the players and have them have influence in terms of their rights. Um, Because that's important. Yeah. what else? Um, You know, some of the standard stuff, and I'm sure this is being worked on, but like family leave, medical leave, Mm-hmm. Um, preferably fi- following some sort of, you know, state or national national guidelines there, but giving people the proper amount of time to heal if they need to take off from their professional job, which in this case is being a, a soccer player. Um, and the window for professional athletes isn't long, right? Like right. at most you're playing maybe from 18 to 
30 something, 40, yep. early 40s if you're lucky, right? Depending on where you play. Um, so they have a, at least half their life reasonably left after they've ended their careers. And so really giving them the training that they need post-career outside of soccer, but particularly in it, because a lot of them want to stay in the sport. And so whether that's the coaching tree, whether that's um, management, whether that's being, you know, a physio or, or nutritionist or, you know, working on staff, public relations, being agents, whatever that looks like and wherever they can really help impact the growth of the sport in this country, I think offering them post-career um, training and guidance would be super helpful. And part of that is changing the access to these things, right? Like it's yep. expensive to get into coaching and it's usually pricing people out, particularly underrepresented groups. Um, so yeah, just really giving them that that advantage, right, to be able to stay in soccer if they want to, and if not, giving them other opportunities. Yep. Um, uh, particularly because, like you, like you said, they only play for a short window. And so people have to realize, like, if you're asking somebody who's in their late 30s, early 40s, to then start a new career, mm-hmm. and you have not provided any kind of post- soccer career perspective they're jumping into a job market where they are where you're they're going to experience the sexism potentially the racism and then the ageism because they're going to be like huh don't you have experience and then you're like no i play professional soccer and there's no support so that these are important points that need to be addressed um also we're talking about revenue sharing you're you're getting all this revenue you got these partnership deals with uh nationwide insurance and ally like it's important that these players see return on their investment um and putting their bodies on the line to play the game and mm-hmm. you treat them like human beings and not just assets yes you because they are why you are making money do absolutely. right by these players absolutely and it needs to continue so you know props to the league for starting to find ways to to get more money in these players pockets right and you see what's happening in england with the sky sports bbc deal where it's a lot kickback to those players in those clubs those clubs that are already richer than the clubs we have some of them are not all of them um so yeah we want we want that kind of environment for our soccer players here um and so i hope we are edging toward that uh we'll see what the cba looks like hopefully they'll be able to hammer it out this season um and once we do we'll be sure to talk about that on Shea butter fc um but with that we jumping in we jumping into the Chaos Cup. I mean, the Challenge Cup <laughs> and the Stalins of the weekend because it was every bit of the chaos. Yeah. So we're well, starting off with the, what are that, Friday? Friday night, yes. Friday night, we start off right with the Houston Dash playing the Chicago Red Stars in Houston. Yeah. And what ended up being a nil-nil draw. Yeah. And yeah, why it looked, is that? It. I mean... <laughs> Not a whole lot to analyze. It looked like the first game of a preseason tournament. (laughs) Um, It looked very disjointed, sloppy at times. Um, Some of the tactics worked a little right. The finishing was very bad. Uh, Again, it's a preseason tournament, uh, so that's to be expected. And uh, I didn't think either team looked particularly great in the first half. I thought the defenses sort of shined in that. Uh, Shout out to Casey Kruger, who plays for Chicago part of the Shea Butter uh, delegation. Hey, was good. Throwing Shea Butter bricks, as the homie would say, right? She is a wall. Uh, she's probably the best 1v1 de- defender we have that I have seen, right? I don't want to negate college or some of the other leagues we have. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's the best 1v1 defender, particularly standing up, that we probably have in this country. Oh. Um, she would have likely been called up. Uh, she had a knock in camp. And so, or I'm sorry, for, for the red stars preseason and so i think just as a precaution they they sort of had her stay domestic this go round um but i would hope after what we saw on saturday uh she's coming in june as long as she's healthy she should Uh, be she better be yeah we wanted to shout her out because again in a nil nil game defense tends to shine uh, and Mm -hmm. defenders don't get enough love so we definitely wanted to do that um i think in the second half chicago played a bit better Uh, they had i think the better runs with the ball um with Gajot and, and Watt and some of their other forwards getting getting up and into the box just really not great finishing yeah and Casey uh, was even serving some balls yeah she was but no finishing was happening line. there there was no mm-mm. yeah so she was passing them in from the back line I think that's sort of been a knock on her um but I think she's pretty good at it actually um she's probably not the best fullback we have in, in terms of that 
but she's definitely able to service in uh, decent balls and, and mm-hmm. get, get it to the midfield or get it to the front line when needed. Um, we also had, uh, speaking of vocabulary, a, a heat check moment. Yeah, we did. We had a Shea Butter heat check by the great Sarah Gordon. Yes. Um, this happened in the first half, I believe, where yeah. uh, Sarah came to come defend Shea Groom running in the box. And well, somehow, in some kind of mystical, magical way, Sarah actually got thrown where her leg was almost trapped under Shea Groom and then Shea Groom tried to flop. <laughs> and the referee <laughs> saw the whole thing. It was just like, no, get up. And well, in the process of getting up, Sarah Gordon had a couple of words, yeah. a whole cheat, a whole heat check, because she had to let her know, like yeah. this ain't the business, this ain't what it' gonna be. Don't do that again. And so, yeah. props to you, kudos to you, Sarah, for right. not only laying some bricks yourself, but yes. checking. Yeah, let them know what it. Let let the people know what it's gonna be. Yeah, we we keep it PG on this show, but if Sarah Gordon, if you ever want to come on and tell us what you said, we'd be happy to have yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> for <laughs> sure. For sure. Um, yeah, so that, I mean, there wasn't a lot to that game. Like I said, it was nil-nil, or like you said, too. Uh, it wasn't the greatest first game. Uh, a lot happened <laughs> in the second game. Oh, if we but then talk we, go to, we go to Portland, where we entered the NWSL after dark, which is basically mm. when the NWSL acts a fool in terms of the games, particularly that happened in the late o'clock hours. Actually, you can kind of even say that it happens on the East Coast too, but it's yeah, it's called in a, a BSL after dark because when the East Coast is falling asleep, the West Coast turns up, and particularly yep. the West Coast games, these games tend to be crazy and foolish. And this is a part is it's appropriate because it's Portland Thorns playing the Kansas City NWSL team. Is that yeah. their yeah? I think that's their official name, yeah. Why is that though? Um, they are that because right now, uh they recently relocated to Kansas City from Utah, which originally they relocated to Utah from Kansas City. So it's a whole cycle. <laughs> yeah. Um, having said that, any iteration of this Kansas City team and Portland is a rivalry. They mm-hmm. don't. They do not like each other. Uh, yeah. The games are always contentious. This game uh, was no different, though it didn't start off too bad. Nah, it was. It was. It was just a lively situation initially. Yeah. Yeah, so you had uh, Portland playing in front of fans for the first time in almost two years. Um, and if you don't know, under normal circumstances and non, non-pandemic times, Portland always sells out. They have one of the liveliest fan bases in all of soccer, no gender required. Um, so yeah, it's a wild place to play. And their fans were excited to, to see some football and they uh, were not disappointed. Again, Portland was missing a decent amount of national team players, including Crystal Dunn, Lindsey Horan. Uh, That's crazy. Wait, top yeah. timeout. That's on the same team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and Sophia Portland Smith is the favorite. Like, let's and, just wait, wait, wait. Let's we forget Sophia Smith is on that team too. She is. She is. So Jesus, man. Yeah, Portland's definitely the. Wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. And Becky Sauerbrunn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're they're loaded. They're <laughs> loaded, and they're the favorites. I think everybody pretty much agrees on that. Um, and a lot of people playing don't like Portland, so that always adds to it, right? Yep. It helps to be the villain. Uh, however, they came out playing really well. Uh, Megan Klingenberg was captaining the squad uh, during this game. She is a World Cup winner, I believe an Olympic gold medalist, um, mm-hmm. and normally plays outside back. Uh, but this game played in the midfield. I think Portland deployed basically a diamond uh, in their midfield, and she was sort of the back part of that diamond, uh, though she snuck up on the wing every once in a while. Um, and that was really good for her to be able to partner with particularly Rocky Rodriguez, mm-hmm. um, former Herman Trophy winner, uh, now playing for the Thorns, uh, Costa Rican national. And it got them their first goal, I believe. Um, yeah, a pretty goal, actually. It was pretty. And it was it was working for Portland. Um, yep. And again, not their strongest team. And they were pretty dominant most of that first half. One of our players to watch, Simone Charlie, had a pretty good first half as well. Mm-hmm. A little bit movement on the ball really starting to figure out how to do runs and move off the ball as well to get open and distribute, distribute the ball and passing lanes and that kind of thing. Um, so I'm really excited to see her development. Uh, friendly reminder though, she is a young player. We'll get to yep. that in a second. Um, and also shout out to Marissa Everett. Yeah. Yep. Cause she almost had a beautiful shea butter bomb. Ooh, it was called off sides, but yep. man, it was, be- it was, it was real, real pretty. Yeah. It was so pretty. It should have been uh, it should have been on sides, but it, it was almost a beautiful Shea Butter bomb debut. 
that might be need to be a new term because this is going to repeat later in the episode but uh it was a it was almost a beautiful goal so we must acknowledge the stylings of marissa everett she was balling yeah she she had a really good showing uh in this match and shout out again uh to the shea butter delegation we actually had two black goalkeepers in this game which is pretty rare uh in this league so shout out to adriana french ad for everybody in the know um a World Cup winner herself and uh, has been hurt for quite a while. So it was really nice to see her back and playing. And she played very well. Obviously, she's one of the best goalkeepers in the country. Yeah, for, for Portland sure. Thorns, by the way. Yeah, for the Thorns. Thorns. Again, loaded. Yeah. Um, and then Abby Smith for Kansas City. Uh, playing, really getting a shot out here. So we're really excited to see her. Uh, but we talked about Simone Charlie earlier. And yep. there was a little Shay on Shay crime, if you will. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Simone Charlie pretty much ran screaming into abby smith uh which got her her first yellow card yes uh as it happens in soccer probably not the best challenge in the world or the best take in the world from simone charlie um and this is significant because once we get to the second half portland scores but kansas city's playing a lot better particularly toward the end of that first half mm-hmm. and they're able to get a goal uh from the indomitable a amy rodriguez or a rod as she is known uh, affectionately mm-hmm. and they're able to get it to two one and they really played well. Like Kansas City played a lot better than I think I expected them to. So yep. it ended up being a really good match. Yeah, Tyler Lucy hadn't had it in the second goal, and then Amy Rodriguez uh, counters and scores. And then uh, Simone Charlie gets another yellow, which results obviously in a red card. Yep. Uh, for a challenge that probably wasn't as bad as it looked initially. Um, yeah. I do think she got the player, but you also can't go in recklessly like that. When yeah, on a yellow on a yellow and again that's something that young players tend to do um they always make good decisions uh and so wait wait uh, so if you don't know if you get a red card that means you're out the game yeah and you're, you're out that the next game, game. And the next game actually yeah and this is important because that's when you knew we were now in the nwsl after dark because at this point the game was getting kind of rough like yeah. we said this is a robbery they were ready to go to war and it was escalating it was heating up the, the fans was in it yeah, and the fan and the and the stadium got really upset when Simone got sent sent off. It did, um, and the referee in general seemed to have lost uh, a bit of control in the in the match, and that's been a complaint I think of players in particular about refereeing in this league for several years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some spoke about that afterwards, and that's a, a fair complaint, and I think something the league needs to look into. Um, but yeah, not everybody in Portland was happy with Simone's uh, second yellow, resulting in a red, including her coach who himself. Yep got a red card yeah it was it was work it's quite quick because i yeah. was like uh-oh because actually when i saw that happen on tv i was like man i'd be mad i wonder what mark parsons is gonna say and then next thing enough. i know i see a i see a red <laughs> card and i was like uh-oh this is about to is it gonna be a brawl right well, well and it happened a few minutes later yeah it keeps de-escalating right uh, for those not in the know who are new to soccer um coaches rarely get red cards so you know it's pretty serious and he probably had a lot to say for the ref to pull that card out yeah because he didn't even get a yellow it was a no straight it was straight red, red. <laughs> <laughs> straight red so it, it had to be wild I'm, I'm sure it was colorful i'm sure he'll probably have to cut a check for what he said yeah <laughs> but okay i understand defending your players you know he's a coach ride or die can't be mad at that uh, and then a few minutes later, keeping in mind Portland's still up to one and pretty much just trying to kill the game, uh, gets the ball in the corner. Uh, another high draft pick, Morgan Weaver, has come into the game at that point. And she and one of her teammates, I apologize, it was hard to see at first who it is, um, are in the corner battling for the ball with, is it Christy Edmonds? Yeah, uh, Chris, yeah, Kristen Edmonds. Kristen Edmonds, sorry. Uh, Kristen Edmonds and I believe one of the Kansas City players over there for a moment. Um, but as you do at the end of the game, when you kill it, trying to kill the ball and, and go, you know, go home with the win, uh, it gets pretty rough in that corner. Uh, it's just a battle for the ball. You got a lot of hacking at feet and things of that nature because you're all on top of each other mm-hmm. trying to get it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it got a little feisty and the ball finally gets out of that corner. Uh, I think Edmonds had probably gotten Weaver at some point. Um, but once the ball is out, they both go to the ground, mostly because Weaver kind of has her arm wrapped around Edmonds and has yeah. her take out uh, to take her down. But but even before that, in the corner, they were like kind of bodying Edmonds. Yeah. 
and which is with, expected but yeah un- wait, wait 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 i will say this even if you if you don't know kristen edmonds used to play for the orlando pride if I'm yes. correctly and previously kristen edmonds has had some colorful vibes with the portland thorns <laughs> yeah where she's been bodied a lot and so yeah. it's been portland Thorns can be very physical and yeah it was quite physical in that corner but continue on yeah absolutely and keeping in mind the last time um these two teams played Kansas city was Utah and it was an incredibly physical game that also resulted in some red cards and near fights. Um, right. So we're serious when we say this is a rivalry and a really intense one. Um, but yeah, they both go to ground. They get up. Um, I believe Weaver might've inadvertently, or I don't know, could have been intentional, uh, got Edmonds slightly in the face. So Edmonds got her back uh, a lot more intentionally. Yep. <laughs> in the face. Um, and there, there's some jawing, um I will give Weaver credit as a young player I think she realized pretty early on that only one of them was a stay ready all-star shout out to yeah. Jones. um so she sort of ducked and went about her business um, she wasn't about that shea butter heat check yeah I don't think she was gonna win that one um and sometimes you know you got to make a good business decision and so she did that um however the ref pulled red cards for both of those players so Morgan Weaver and Kristen Edmonds were sent off and of course, this incenses the crowd even more. They're still riled up from the Simone Charlie and Mark Parsons red cards. And it's just a lot of chaos. And the referee really did lose control yeah. of the match. Um, it ends 10 players against nine. It still ends up to one. And now you have several players that won't be playing for either team uh, right. next game. Uh, so that changes the, ni- the dynamic, sorry, of, of some of what's going to be done tactically. Uh, again, keeping in mind that there's national team players missing from, from both clubs. So they have to make even more adjustments now. And some of their better players are gone um, or their better outlets and options and things like that. Um, and I think just the biggest thing about this game, and I'm touching on it really briefly, is what happened after, right? Um, I think, and we'll talk about racism later, because of course we will. But the the idea of sort of labeling Morgan Weaver, who is a white player, blonde, tall, sort of prototype, which you would look like or look for um, in the past, I think, in American soccer. Uh, Kristen Edmonds is a Black woman. And Morgan Weaver was very much painted as innocent in this scenario, which is always triggering, I think, particularly in these times. And uh, the Thorns decided to show clips of what happened, and it actually was more incriminating toward Morgan Weaver than less. Um, Morgan Weaver, who, by the way, uh, full discretion and Kristen Edmonds as well, neither one of them really said anything afterwards, right? Like it, it was more teens in, in social media and things of that nature, um, that kept perpetuating it. And, uh, the Thorn social media team decided to go with it, I think, and keep it up for probably engagement purposes without necessarily paying attention to the language, uh, around it. And unfortunately, it seems to have led to harassment, uh, racial mm-hmm. abuse in particular of Chris and Edmonds online. Uh, so, you know, the league's got to own that and a team has to own that. Uh, you're not protecting your players. These players are all co-workers at the end of the day, right? Chris and Edmonds and Morgan Weaver are trying to do the exact same thing, right? We just play professional soccer. Um, and it gets heated in the game, but I don't think either one of them wants the other to be unsafe. Uh, right. Unfortunately, in this league, when things go south, it's often the black and brown players that that suffer. And so... Um, Kristen Emmons shouldn't have had to deal with that at all this weekend. Not at all. Simply doing her job. She might, she made a mistake. Obviously she's gotten a red card to probably get an additional game. Uh, She probably did, you know, uh, commit the more egregious offense, but the way it was labeled, the way it was framed really just set her up for being exposed. And that's exactly what happened. And so Mm -hmm. we really got to think about these things um, and how we lay it out. And we'll get back to this, this stuff that happened uh, this weekend in terms of race and some other things in a little bit, but we do want to make sure we're giving time to the other games that happened on Saturday. You, mm-hmm. you want to jump into that? Okay, so then on Saturday, we had the Stalins of the North Carolina Courage and the Washington, D.C. Spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, the underdogs of the... <laughs> North- okay. I can't even say that with a straight face. The no. North Carolina Courage, which <laughs> used to be stacked, by the way. They used to have Crystal Dunn, Sam Mewis, Abby Del Kepper, yeah. uh, Lynn Williams... Jessica McDonald, the Binia. That's a lot of play. That's stacked. Right. They were stacked, stacked. And so they won all the, they're like a dynasty, um, basically. And so, yeah, they've lost quite a few players due to player movement um all over the place. And right. so, yeah, they're they're embracing this underdog role. Um, but they still stacked a little bit. Yeah. 
and they were playing the Washington Spirit, who, you know, they were doing their thing. Where um, they got the acquisition of a future superstar. But they um, did, they did, and a couple of defenders who, of course, are missing for for national team action in yeah. in their midfielder as well. Yes, um, and, and Andy Sullivan, and then um, Emily Sonnet and Kelly O'Hara. Yeah, but uh, <clears throat> I guess with this game, this was quite a fun game. Yes, I mean, it started off immediately where North Carolina Courage were feeling like the underdogs because Yokoyama scored yes. a goal in the first five minutes. Yes. That was a beautiful goal. It was really, really nice. It was a really nice run and, and finish from her. Um, but, you know, North Carolina still North Carolina. Exactly. So they answered. Um, shout out to Jessica McDonald, obviously member of the Shea Butter delegation. Shout out yep. to Dabinia, uh, one of our favorite Brazilians, one of our favorite players. Um they really sort of had their way. Um, yep. It looks like Washington's still figuring out some of their new formation. And so maybe that's where some of the holes and, and you know, lapses in coverage came. Uh, but Jessica McDonald and Dabinia, uh, Christy, Hamilton, Christy Hamilton, and um, the acquisition of Carson Pickett uh, was really having their way yep. <laughs> in the offensive half and the offensive third for North Carolina. And it led to a uh, Jessica McDonald equalizer. On a really nice finish, Shea Butterbaum for sure. Yeah. Uh, she also assisted the other goal to Hamilton. Yes. She had a Shea Butter uh, dime. Yeah. So Jessica McDonald was definitely having herself a game um, against Jay Mack was balling. Yeah. And and the courage were, were going. And I believe they went up 2 1. No, 2. Yeah. Yeah. 2, two, yo, two 1. Because then also, uh, um, Dabinia was mic checking to the left and to the right. She honestly oh. should have had some goals, but it wasn't it wasn't coming. But she she was out there. She I mean, always. Dominion's always going to at least try one or two a game uh, just because she's Dominion. So that's what we yeah. love about her. Um, but yeah, North Carolina seemed pretty in control. Washington was having um, a little bit better of a second half, I think, still trying to trying to find space and and get sort of in front of goal. Um, and so they bring in their number two draft pick uh, Trinity Rodman who yeah I think is sort of the in terms of strikers young strikers the next big thing uh, has Mm -hmm. been touted as such go Cougs by the way Uh, we're very sad that she's not playing here but happy for her all the same Uh, she deserves to be a pro and she came on in second around the 60th minute something like that she was Shea Butter styling Good guy. She shea buttered everything, right? <laughs> like she just um very quickly lived up to the hype. Um she's just a joy to watch. Like I'm even more pleasantly surprised than I expected to be. She was one of our players to watch last week uh, and mm-hmm. did not disappoint, obviously. Uh, her first goal happened during this game. It was a pass from the defensive half or the defensive third, I think, of uh, their field from a teammate uh, while she's making a run past the back line. The please go watch this goal. Like the first yeah. touch yeah. <laughs> that she takes off of that pass is ridiculous. Like, like she's been doing it forever. Right. Um, and the finish is beautiful. Um, she absolutely reads the goalkeeper and is able to slot it in uh, exactly where she is not. And it's just a really professional goal and just a level of talent that I don't think I expected to see from an 18 year old uh it was, hasn't quite figured it all out yet but she's already pretty terrifying for somebody who it was it. a shea butter bomb that had the sounds of success yeah yeah sounds of success sounds like a good a good one for that but just really smooth um and she had some other moments uh shout out to Andre from Diaspora United for pointing that out uh what did he say he saw this beautiful cutback that I had to go whoa Kristen press <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she's definitely giving me a uh, Kristen Press Jr. vibes. Uh, uh-huh. If you don't know, she's mentioned in uh, several interviews. Uh, the player that she probably looks up to the most is Kristen Press, and just in terms of studying her game, a little bit of Tobin Heath in there as well. Um, but you can see it if you watch her play. Like if you followed Kristen's career, um, yeah. you can definitely see it when Trinity yeah. Rodman plays. She's very much her own player, but yeah, you can see the influence all around. Um, and a dream of ours here is Shea Butter is for them to play together. So yes, it's quite soon. Quickly, we'll see. swiftly. 
Yeah, we'll see. But I mean, so, even on the field, she was like calling for balls, placing. Yeah. She was passing beautiful passes. Yeah, it's not just that should have been doms. It it's was. Just, it's not just the play. It's not just the play. It's the mannerisms. It's everything. So it's yeah. really interesting to see that. Um, and having watched soccer long enough to see a young player emulate a player that came before them. So right. Um, we're really excited about Trinity Rodman. So uh, she might come up a little bit later. We'll see. Yeah. Um, and then we can get into this last game, um, which was. Racing Louisville, which is the newest <laughs> club. Yes. And the Orlando Pride, our favorite, you should be better than you are <laughs> team. Yes. Um, so I'm going to let you go because you you got some thoughts on that Orlando formation. Is that what we're calling it? <laughs> yeah. So, <clears throat> so word on the street, Orlando had lost a couple of games, preseason games, to particularly that loss to Florida State. Mm-hmm. Um, what you don't know, Florida State is a really, really good um college team but they have a bunch of soon-to-be pros on there so that could be expected but I was like what is going on because it makes no sense because even if you don't have Alex Morgan you don't have some other people on international duty you still have Marta you still have Ashlyn Harris you have Ali Krieger Mm -hmm. Ali Riley like you have a bunch of phenomenal players Sydney LaRue like you have a bunch of phenomenal players what is going on is it a formation issue and well 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 (laughs) <laughs> As we hear the games launched off, they tell the formations and they let us know Orlando is in a four, two, three, one, which I was like, that's bizarre. What is that going to look like? Um, I'm not sure if on the TV screen they had said that um, Louisville was lining up in a four, two, two, triple two. Um, right. But yeah, that started what then where you thought Orlando would have an easy game against a Louisville team to be quite frank has a bunch of players they had to sign on contract because they had a horrible expansion draft where they drafted about four players who were never going to suit up. Then they drafted weirdly where you were missing like literally position groups that Mm -hmm. they had to go get positions, probably had to beg their draft pick to come play um, and not go back to school. And so you had a lot of stuff going on where it was like, what is this team going to look like, you know? And so but you have this Orlando team that honestly probably could have won the challenge up last year if they were healthy and mm. didn't have the COVID outbreak that even if you're missing Alex Morgan, you still should beat Louisville. Yes. But in the beginning, this crazy little situation with the four, two, three, one, which it kind of wasn't really that it was like a four. I don't know. It was <laughs> a four, whatever's happening in the midfield as a disaster class. And then a one that left Sydney LaRue isolated that yeah. it was just crazy because this four triple two formation from Louisville caused all kind of havoc in the midfield for Orlando. And so, yeah, it was, they were getting worked. Um, and it was like the back line was getting flooded. And so Ali Krieger was having to be midfielder, yes, a uh, fullback. You had uh, <laughs> Ali Riley having to do the same thing. Marta was dropping so far oh, back. Oh, it's ridiculous. To yeah. try to make up what was happening in the midfield. So she couldn't even help Sydney LaRue, who got the ball and was trying to score. Yeah. It had this tall uh, Pornick. She's super tall. Just having also, it's, it was like crazy disjointedness that, well, eventually CeCe Kaiser scored her first goal in the league. Yeah. <laughs> off of this disarray for a uh, race in Louisville. Um, and then it was like, uh-oh, is Orlando about to get whipped? And yeah. so, yeah. Um, yeah. The, yeah, the form- but... But having said that, uh, they found a way to equalize because, as you mentioned, they have a 6-1 player (laughs) in Corniak. And so uh, they were able to simply whip the ball into the box, and the 6-1 player was able to head it in because you can't defend 6-1 right uh, on a set piece. It's very hard to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe Sam Mewis or Wendy Renard. There's not a lot of players that can do that. Um, Yeah, and so despite everything, Orlando managed to go in uh, 1-1 at the half, and they Mm -hmm. came out looking a little better um in the second half though it was a really long game and a lot of back and forth and it didn't feel like a whole lot of opportunities were happening um Mm -hmm. until one of the subs abby kim member of the shea butter delegation uh hit a rather unexpected shea butter bomb uh yeah it wasn't particularly in the run of play beautiful uh shot looked like it was off her right foot Uh uh as she's falling to the ground uh, to put Orlando up 2-1 in a game that I frankly didn't think they should have won or been right. up at any point. <laughs> um, so despite everything, they were up 2-1. Uh, but again, 
NWSL after dark, anything can happen. Right. Uh, Louisville's playing in front of their home crowd for the very first time. It's a beautiful stadium, by the way. So shout out mm-hmm. to Louisville for investing in that. Um, a whole lot of pyrotechnics and, and lights and, and things like that, particularly when players score. Um, but they go into one. And what what happens here to, to get this last goal? Uh, so it was like a stop. It's like a set piece disaster where it would. It I don't know. I was like, please don't score. But of course, Hendrick scores for Louisville in stoppage time, like literally probably yeah. the last few minutes of stoppage time. So, yeah, they basically draw with yeah. Orlando at the last minute. And then it's like a pyrotechnic uh, light yeah. situation, purple, like purple smoke all over. Yeah. It's like a freaking light show on the screen. Yeah. And yeah, the, the stadium goes berserk. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. So Louisville drew in their very first NWSL game. So congratulations to the brand new club. Uh, if you don't know who Louisville is, go look up their kits. You probably can't miss them. Uh, we will give you our thoughts on NWSL kits in a future uh, episode we hope to collab with. Uh, we'll save that for later. <laughs> for sure. Uh, and on that note, though, that wraps up our coverage of the first weekend of the Challenge Cup in the NWSL. The Chaos never Cup. Never, ever boring. Um, so... We're glad our some of our favorite players are back uh, and some of our teams are back and that we get Shea Butter Bombs and Styles and Dimes and, and all the other things that make uh, bringing the culture to the game so great. And so after this break, we're going to get into uh, fan favorite rants and raves and we're going to drop our Shea Butter crossover listings uh, that y'all can agree with because you should or not, but because you will. Um, so when we get that, we'll get into that. We'll catch y'all on the other side. This is Gregor from the Florida Culture Soccer Podcast. Soccer podcast for us, by us. Join us this week with special guest Jeremy Sally. We talk about the NWSL Challenge Cup, the CONCACAF Champions League, and we pay a tribute to the life legacy of DMX. Join us this week on your favorite podcast app from the FTC UTD YouTube channel. All right, good people. It's about that time for your favorite segment, them rants and them raves, um, where we're going to give our hot takes on terms of soccer and other cultural matters. Um, and then we're also going to, uh, you know, celebrate some players in the process, deal with some of the foolishness of the racist variety that happened this week. Mm. But then we're also, then you're, after that, we're going to jump into a beautiful segment called the, Cro- the Shea Butter Crossover. It's going to be, uh, you'll see it every now and then. But anyway, well, let's get into it. Um, yeah. So as we do, we start with the the rants first. Yes. So I guess it's my, uh, sh- should I go? Is it- Yeah, I think you can get started. All right. So let's talk about this. So the last week, we didn't have time to acknowledge it, but the NCAA had a basketball tournament mm-hmm. um, for the women's and men's. And so basically, uh. A frustrating rant that I have is that the continuous attempt by media in this age where Black lives are supposed to be mattering to not really show flowers, respect, and love to Black players mm. um, and uphold and uplifting white people in the game at the expense of Black excellence. Mm. Um, and continuously doing it repeatedly. So I particularly point to, on the women's side, it is a travesty we did not hear about Ari McDonald. Yeah. And um the Arizona uh University of Arizona uh basketball team. Yeah. And their bombness. She's been bomb for all season. Was Pac-12 player of the year, Pac-12 defensive player of the year, and literally was bomb, bomb, bomb. As with so other so many other teams with Baylor, uh University of South Carolina, um uh, heck, a whole bunch of teams yeah. with a lot of greatness weren't getting any props. Um, and they were predominantly African-American. Have right. African-American coaches, Don Staley, uh, Adia Barnes. Um, and like you didn't weren't hearing the props or getting the alar- uh, love. In fact, they didn't include Arizona in one of the clips, which probably was the detri- to the detriment of UConn because they got right. smoked. Yeah. Um, or even even talking about not even giving the props to like a Baylor who, if you knew about D.D. Richards, like mm. you, you, like you should have known that 
Paige might have got shut down. Um, right. Paige Buckner's who has been this highly tied player from UConn. Yeah, and it's legitimately good. Like, that's... Yeah. Buckets is, that's what they call her, Paige Buckets. Paige Buckets uh, is legit. Yeah. But even then, you were ignoring the greatness of the other players on her team, and Kristen Williams mm-hmm. um, in particular. And it's like, she doesn't exist in a vacuum. Like, she's a whole... Mm. There, she has team members supporting her. So it's super frustrating um, because... You know, people were irritated because, like, you didn't know because they weren't giving the flowers, giving the kudos, giving the props. And this is a repetitive process that happens, particularly mm-hmm. in the world of basketball, where you don't give black players props. Um, and same thing happened on the men's side. If you would advertise more about Baylor, then everybody could have had could have had their brackets right because those <laughs> right. were grown men. Because yeah, y'all were hyping up Gonzaga, but then they ran into some grown men. Grown and men. the last two games, uh, Baylor did that. And if you would have had the real conversations and you could have seen the stylings of what they were doing, you would have known that these men were going to win that game. And so we got to do better. Give the black people props, uh, give them love, show them love and respect the hustle. And this leads to the second portion of my rant, which is check the tape, see the tape (laughs) of these black players and respect them. Do what you do for, Wait, do what you do for the white mediocre players that y'all try to say is really, really good. Oh, okay. Uh, did I just say that I'll go there? But you need to give props to the black players and the credit that they do. And if they look good on film, so if they have minimal interceptions in their in, uh, college football career, they are probably, and if they honestly would have played longer, they might have been better than Trevor Lawrence, then Justin Fields is probably the second best quarterback in the in the in the upcoming mm-hmm. draft. So you need to draft him if you can get him and you need a quarterback because he is don't don't try to explain your way into trying to justify other players who didn't look good on film. And Justin Field looked good on film and in person and in workouts. And so it's like draft him, quit playing yourself. Similar with Ari McDonald. Like, don't sit here and not draft her Dallas Wings. (laughs) <laughs> because you get caught up in somebody else. Dallas Wings has a bajillion picks. And so, so many. So my many. homie, my great, the greatness that is Vicky Johnson. I love you, VJ. Like, <laughs> please, as the coach, do what you got to do to make sure you get her on your team. Don't, because, you know, they got Eric, uh, my bad, Arike, um, in the draft a couple of years ago when every, all these teams let her drop to eight and get the Dallas Wings and she went off. Yeah. And wasn't she rookie of the year? I think. I think so. That year or some almost was up was number two then yeah but when you see the tape you see the game film you see she's ready for the WNBA draft her draft Justin Fields draft Eric McDonald draft all these players that you see that are doing the damn thing and respect them and show them love and that's my rant on that what's your Mm -hmm. rant what's my rant uh Uh uh-oh I mean so I mean we highlighted a lot of what happened in WSL but they, they've had a rough couple of weeks, and I think – I just want to chat for a quick second. Um, y'all still aren't doing a real good job of protecting your, your Black players. Uh, so we Say it again. You're not doing a very good job of protecting your Black players. So we mentioned Sarah Gordon earlier, and after that game in Houston, uh, an incident happened that she later tweeted about uh, in regards to her boyfriend, who is a Black man, uh, for, for full disclosure here. And how they were essentially targeted uh, by security in the Houston Nash Stadium. And they were basically followed, questioned, uh, exchanged words with the security guard. And as they're both looking around, particularly Sarah, seeing that there are other players, white players, who are having the same interactions with family, friends, loved ones, whoever they may be in the stadium and aren't getting the same treatment. And so she brought this to the attention of social media and people sort of rallied behind her to the point where the Dash had to make a statement, which they could have kept, quite honestly. Um, But essentially that statement said it wasn't racially motivated, that security had been instructed to uh, basically enforce COVID protocol throughout the stadium. The, The issue with that, again, though, is it was the Black player and her Black boyfriend. It wasn't the white players in their white whoever right um and this was followed up by another member of the chicago coaching staff i believe uh or the staff in general basically uh validating 
Sarah Gordon's story, not that she needed it, but explaining what he saw, which was that she was being profiled um, and that he really couldn't sit there and sort of let that fester. And so he also spoke up. Houston hasn't had a response to that. Also a friendly reminder, Houston has had previous incidents uh, with racism in the not so distant past. And so uh, their track record on this uh, is pretty much over two right now. So they've got some work to do, right? Uh, I would like to hear a follow-up response for them and what that's going to look like. I would say, including that security person needs to go, right? Like, because mm-hmm. I don't imagine that's a one-off for that person. Uh, I don't think that was a spur of the moment thing that might have something to do with how they actually think in real life. So, uh, and you don't want that for an organization, again, that's trying to distance themselves for, distance themselves from some of the issues that they've had in the, pa- the past. Um, but the best way through it is through it, right? You got to deal with it uh, and deal with your organization and make sure it's a lot less racist place in a particularly black city, right? Like that's the irony of the Houston part. Houston's well, pretty black. Um, well. Some of your biggest names from Houston are black women at that. So just saying, you might want to lean into that a little bit and do better. Um, and just pointing out as well, these are not isolated incidents. Uh, the same racial undertones happened obviously with the Portland, Kansas City game and the Weaver Edmonds incident. And just sort of the wording and framing of that, particularly by the Portland Thorns, right? And they're, I would say, social media team more than anything else. But I think Merritt Paulson was involved in this and other people, um, not the players themselves, but just the framing of that when you have a Black player and a white player in an incident like this and the white player is framed as innocent and the Black player is framed as aggressive, right? It's just really icky, particularly in 2021 when we've seen all of these Black people gunned down by police and, and other people um, and non-white people in, in general with, with the murders in Atlanta and things of that nature. We've got to be really careful, right? Sports reaches a lot of people, particularly women's sports are growing by the day. They're, the NWSL and the WNBA both had ratings increases during the pandemic when all the other leagues did not. So there's a level of visibility to this league that's never existed before. And you got to be careful with the language, right? Because you're going to run out fans. You're going to run out players and coaches Mm -hmm. and potential future stars and lovers of the game and people who want to promote it and go to games. They're family friendly. All of these things that it could be, uh, you're sort of shooting yourself in the foot on this one. And it's a continuing issue, right? Like, this isn't the first time. No, it's not. Cassius LaRue had this issue. This is a little boy, right? Like, he's what, four, five, Mm -hmm. something like that. Um, it was even younger when that happened, but he was followed, right? He was profiled. Um, Jeremiah um, McDonald, I'm assuming that's his last name, uh, Jessica McDonald's son, another little black boy, profiled in a stadium, mm-hmm. right? Just going to see their moms. Like, that's, that's not sure. okay. They're, bo- they're, they're kids, man. Like, y'all are racially profiling kids, and you're not letting little black kids, particularly little black boys, be kids right who are there to see their moms play their dope black moms who are just trying to set a good example right and be professional athletes and don't do harm to anyone Mm -hmm. Um, and our great ambassadors of the game so they on top of having to worry about playing and not feeling safe just as black players now have to worry about their children um and that's in addition to stadiums where people black players in particular have been called racial slurs i know adriana french has spoken about this and a few other players have as well um y'all gotta do better y'all it's racist like you don't necessarily have to consider yourself a racist i don't really care what you're doing is racist you're wearing a uniform so you gotta do better your black players are not safe and stop gaslighting black people sarah gordon told you it was racist it's racist it's not a question it's not a conversation it's not about your feelings that somehow white people got centered this weekend even, though, even after a black person told you what happened was racist, it became about white people. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't it. And quite frankly, if you're not going to get your racism problem together, right, you're not going to get your whatever the heck that trans policy is for trans athletes that you have that isn't very good. And trans people have also told you as much and non-binary uh, siblings as well, who you completely almost completely left out of it. Um, if you're not going to get these issues together, then you get the league you deserve. Like, you're not going to get the international players. You're not going to get more black and not brown and not white players. You're not, you're not going to grow your league in any way that is sustainable and it will be what you deserve. So I want to root for the NWSL. I really do. I love the idea of having a domestic league with some of the best players in the world, 
Um, I think we have one of the deepest talent pools in the world, and I want people to have a chance to play. And I want there to be several divisions of this, right? Like I want there to be professional athletes at all levels of soccer because soccer is for everyone. Act like it. Uh, just do better. Yeah, you need to get to, in touch with a diversity, equity, inclusion office. Y'all need one not only for the league, but mm-hmm. then at each club. Mm-hmm. Yeah. from So that you can have these conversations with your social media department, with your PR department, with everything. So you stop making these foolish mistakes that are correctable. And yeah. stop acting, because it, it, it's all it's showing me, again, for another week for me to say this, mm-hmm. is you got these anti-racism books and they're on the shelf and they're just for decoration and for play-play. Yeah. And we need to do better in 2021. You need just to do playing games. Listen, listen to your players, listen to your fans, right? They're telling you the way. Just own your mistakes, say you're sorry, don't make them again, and do better. You're always, everybody's going to mess up, but yeah. it's what you do after that. Don't get in your feelings. It's not about your ego. It's about making the league better. And you either love soccer or you don't. And you either want it to be great or you don't. So that's all. Um, and on that note, let's get into raves because yeah. you don't yeah, ever want to end mm-hmm. on, a, on a down note. Yeah, let's get uh, into this black excellence. Yeah. Am I am so, I going first this time? Yeah, you're going first. Tell the people what it is. I mean, you know, I'm going to circle back to Trinity Rodman. Uh, I don't think I can describe to you uh, how excited I am to watch this young lady play, hopefully for the next decade and some change. Um Yo, you know, at this point, I've lived enough life where I think I know it when I see it. Um, and this is it. So uh, she's a little bit different. And no, I don't want to rush the process. Right. Like, I don't I don't want to have a lot of pressure on her too fast. Uh, but she seems ready for the moment, for sure. And I think if you give her, you know, the season between the Challenge Cup and actual league play and really let her experience what it is to be a professional athlete. I think she'll be good to go. Like I really do. I think she's a very quick learner. She has a very high soccer IQ. She sees the field incredibly well for somebody who's 18. Uh, mm-hmm. I know 28-year-olds who don't see the field, <laughs> who don't see the field that well. Um, and she's just got an incredibly unique skill set. And I'm just really hoping, hoping that this time around U.S. soccer does, right, uh, oh. either Black players, right, with unique skill sets or any player, really, with a unique skill set. Um, and they've learned to adjust tactics and not settle on one way of playing soccer uh, because this one's too good to, to ruin. So let's get it together. Uh, let's celebrate the talent we already see and the talent that's yet to come. And I'm very excited to see her in the future. And I would say I'm going to see you at the World Cup, Trinity Robin. Oh, yeah, wait. You're going to see her at the World Cup and you're also going to see. <clears throat> yes. My brave for the week, Brianna Pinto. Yeah. Um, this young woman has been balling. She got drafted by what is now Gotham FC. And she is a, it's it. She's a midfielder, a black midfielder who has been balling. Mm. An offensive player of the week, like back to back weeks, week don't, weeks on top of weeks is every time I see a UNC, uh, the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, UNC uh, tweeting something, it's like a Brianna Pinto scored this hat trick that this that she's balling 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 in yes. her last season before she comes joins the stallions of the uh shea butter delegations of the Gotham <laughs> fc and so Absolutely. i gotta give her props because she's out here doing the thing um she she's doing it trying to get her team i guess a national championship one more time before she bounces out and yeah you gotta respect it much yeah. much love and flavor to you with the stallions you out here doing that shea butter thing yeah, the styles sure. to the dimes to everything, to the to the bombs. You're doing it. <laughs> Keep doing your thing, Mama. We're yeah, looking we forward see. to seeing you in the league real, yeah. real soon, and yeah, also we... at the World Cup. Yes, I said what I said. Oh yeah, yeah. I think we know the next wave of players is coming, and she's definitely a part of it. And shout out to her. Like we definitely see you. We're really excited to see you in the <clears> league. <throat> shout out to the Pinto family, who's a fun time on Twitter. Uh, hey, yeah. Mama Pinto, we really we're cool. We've loved y'all since draft night, and to her brother, who I believe just got signed as well. So um, yeah, they're a whole soccer family uh, for the culture, and we're we're really excited to see them. Hey, um, yeah. So we got one more little thing to do here. Yep. And so uh, I guess we need to start into the <laughs> the last segment, which is the Shea Butter crossover. Hey. And so crossover you know, in basketball <clears throat> is one thing, but oh, how convenient for us to use that descriptor for a, the conversation we had randomly one day yeah. where we were like, what soccer players could we compare 
you know, what are their equivalents in the NBA and WNBA? Yes. And so, yeah, let, let's share the people with the people um, in our Shea Butter crossover segment. <laughs> um, who, we, who we think various soccer, prominent soccer players' counterparts are in the WNBA and NBA and the reasons why. And I guess we yeah. can kick it off with like a Crystal Dunn. And do Crystal Dunn first? Um, yeah, we yeah i think we probably thought way too much about this stuff but we hope it's fun at least um we think we're right obviously but i'm sure y'all don't so or won't think we are so yeah let's let's do this uh so we tried to do like one for one so whatever soccer player we have we have one nba one WNBA. Uh, in a few cases we have two uh but crystal dunn uh for me nba uh she's lbj because she can do everything lebron james for those lebron james yeah <laughs> And then in the WNBA, it's two. So we got a uh, Ms. Maya Moore. Yes. And then even a throwback, a Tina Thompson. And the reason we're saying that is because Crystal Dunn is an all-encompassing, all-around bomb-bomb player. Can do defense and offense, um, similar to all three of these players that we named, mm-hmm. and legendary. And if you don't know about Tina Thompson, she is Go what several players say was one of the best players I've ever played with anywhere. Not yep. just with the comments, not with just the human comments, uh, Houston comments, RIP. Uh, but with any team she's been on, they've been like, she is like a goat. That's the goat, goat. Yeah. Uh, and then you had the same thing when Maya Moore was playing for the time she was playing with the Minnesota Lynx. Yes. Um, it's a big part of why they had a dynasty um, a few years back. So, yeah. yeah. Crystal Dunn, that's our comparison. Um, who's next? Yeah. Uh, I believe we're doing CP23, Kristen Press. Uh, hey! This one was actually kind of easy, particularly for the NBA. Uh, to me, she's Steph Curry with the shot, boy. <laughs> yep. And then from a WNBA perspective, one, Rebecca Hammond, also known as Becky Hammond, and that's a throwback. Hey. But let's explain to why we picked these two individuals for the comparison for Kristen Press. All right. I got her as Steph Curry because... Obviously, she can pop shots from distance, uh, probably better than almost anybody in the world. Uh, and so you have to respect it. You've got to come out and defend. And if you do that, uh, she's pretty fast. Uh, mm-hmm. and probably has better ankles than Steph Curry. But mm-hmm. um, she can blow by you. She can get the ball off on one of those shape butter dimes. Or, you know, uh, she can draw defenders, pass it out. She can take the shot off the run. Like you said, she can shoot from distance. And she's just a good distributor of the ball. But she's always looking to shoot first. And that's pretty much Steph Curry uh, in a nutshell. Um, she similar probably to- as many rings as Steph Curry. But right, <laughs> right, yeah. But, but she's similar also to Becky Hammond. And yeah. people think Coach Becky Hammond, but the legend yeah. that is was the New York Liberty, then Ooh. San Antonio Silver Stars, Becky Hammond. She was initially a shooting guard that then became point guard. And so she was looking to shoot first and right. cooking people up, even despite – you know, people go, well, see, with all three of these players, people think yeah. that all oh, they're innocent and they're not going to be ruthless. But no, nah, they are. They don't look the part. Yeah. They will cut you up. They will dice you up. So there's plenty of times to take that Becky Hammond was shooting from out the gym on tall trees, like a yeah. fave Candace Parker. I had to put it. Yeah, out she, she got her welcome to the league on that one. Yeah, <laughs> she got welcome to the league a few times by Becky. Becky's crossed people up. Uh, Becky's put crazy points up, put shots that nobody can defend with that uh, English that was unstoppable <laughs> to block. Yeah. Uh, clutch, coming out, shooting stuff at the last minute. Like, the game should be lost. She's out here hitting bombs, doing things. Becky was balling. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, those are the two comparisons we have for, for Kristen Press. Yes. Um, I guess the next one we got, Midge Purse. Miss Margaret, um, yes, Madam, Madam President. Um, yeah, Miss was actually a little bit complicated at first yeah. because uh, if you're following, particularly the national team, you know, and even at her time in Portland, she's playing out of position. Miss is a right. natural forward, uh, and she's playing a lot of right back, left back uh, these days. Except for her club team, shout out to Gotham for freeing Midge. We appreciate you. Um, but yeah, I think we settled on particularly Chicago Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Yeah. But if you free her, she could be Miami Jimmy Butler. She could. It's similar to Kayla McBride is how she's being used, how she was being used at the Las Vegas Aces. Mm. Uh, she was being not used correctly to be. But now she's about to play for the Minnesota Lynx. 
yes with one of her old college teammates um and like Cheryl Reed's probably gonna have a phenomenal team and y'all just let the links uh re-up yeah they're definitely one of the threats I think this this season for sure uh because again that seems fair a team that wins a lot gets all the players so Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so yeah yeah. Mitch Purse is probably that be our comparisons um then we got let's see Sam Mewis Samantha uh I like to call Samantha uh She's a very good player, very direct player. Uh, one of those that isn't a looked apart person, right? Sam Mewis doesn't look like she should be good at soccer necessarily, or certainly not as a midfielder. Um, so I think comparatively, I have her uh, her male or NBA, I should say, counterpart is Joker because that dude is cold and he looks nothing like a dude who should be cold <laughs> at basketball. But he's in the MVP conversation this year for sure. Mm-hmm. And that's Jokic for those who don't know, plays for the Denver Nuggets. Sorry. Right, right. And so with Roosevelt, our comparison was Steve Nash and Katie Smith. And if you don't know who Katie, Katie Smith was, she was a balling, 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 balling player for the WBA. And yes. she was a problem. Like, I think Sue Bird pointed out multiple times, like, she was a problem. And it's funny, like, people didn't think she was really, really nice, but she's super duper nice. Nice, nice, nice with it. Uh, and similar to Steve Nash and Katie Smith, Rose does all this creativity, can be sniping, can do, right. can just take over a game. And both of them did that. And so that's Absolutely. our comparison for Roseville. Yeah. And I think, again, sort of not looks the part. They all kind of look like good mid. I mean, Steve Nash is Canadian, but they all kind of look like good Midwestern <laughs> kids uh, who will cut you up. So right. uh, you don't see it coming. So that's the fun of watching them play ball. Uh, they all were ridiculously creative in their day. Uh, and pretty ruthless as well. Uh, and Roosevelt is currently. So I hope she keeps cooking in that uh, particular vein of player. And then, oh, this is the hot take one, right? Yeah, this is the hot take. This is the last controversial. So understand, we will circle back to the, so there we got more players on the list, but yeah. for the interest of time. But for our last one, um, <laughs> we, <laughs> this was hard. We kind of need your yeah. help, but we're going to start some controversy. Alex Morgan. And so Alex Morgan is a nine. And she's good at being a nine. Yes. And so she does what she needs to do. And like, you can even see in the game Saturday that she does it pretty well. And if she's where she needs to be, you put her at the nine. Right. And so <laughs> it was hard to find one for the WBA. So that's why we need your help. But our NBA comparison is Clay Thompson. Killer Clay. Um, yeah, I think for, for at least my thinking on that is, Right. Oftentimes she's not necessarily the best on the field, but there are times where she could take over a game. I think particularly peak Alex Morgan, right? Like 2017, 2018. Um, and just her ability to dominate, even if she didn't get a lot of touches, right? I think Clay's had games where like almost every touch he's had, the ball's gone in. Um, and so he can just go off on a, on a night, but he plays with Steph Curry, right? And right. so that means a lot of times he's not necessarily going to be quote unquote the best player on the team. Um mm-hmm but he's really good and they need each other. And so I think Alex is that for a few of the players on our team, right? She's sort of that anchor, uh, that outlet, you know, like we talked about in the in the game Saturday, somebody who can hold up the ball, uh, but is also a threat at goal scoring. So defenses have to honor that. And when she's in her bag, she's in her bag. So yeah. um, you're not always gonna know when that's gonna be. <laughs> it can be a little streaky at times. Right. Uh, but yeah, when she's in her bag, she's still one of the best. So. Uh, that's probably a hot take. We'll we'll see. That's no disrespect to Clay. We love Clay Thomas here. Clay Thompson. Woo, sorry. Coops, don't, <laughs> kill, don't kill me, Coops. I'm sorry. I'm tired. <laughs> um, but yeah, we love we love Clay here. Um, I think he's one of the better ones I've seen in a very long time. Certainly at shooting. So uh, that's nothing but love love in that regard. So uh, right, yeah. you you disagree? Well, we're sure. Yeah. For sure, we're here. We're here for you. So yeah, y'all are gonna let us know. Y'all gonna be in the DM. Y'all gonna have a lot of tweets. Y'all gonna have a lot of hot takes. Y'all gonna be in your feelings. But that's yeah. cool. That's fine. We can discuss it and yeah. we can get into it and reveal other parts of our list in the upcoming weeks yeah. with a couple of other lists that we have. Yeah, we got some other stuff coming. So I guess next week, I guess we should let y'all know before we bounce about here. Uh, yeah. We're gonna get into the second round of international friendlies. Um, we're gonna talk about the redemption class or the disaster class that is the u.s playing france in france we'll cover the three upcoming games this week of the nwsl including the stylings of the first look of the second part well 
a team that has a lot of the Shea Butter delegation in the oil range. Hey. And then um, we'll cover the WSL over crossing the pond, their women's FA Cup that's happening. Some games are happening next Sunday. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, we're going to cover all the Shea Butter bombs and all Shea Butter-like activities and everything in between. And hopefully we can go a week without any more racism. I mean, you know, I'm not betting on it, but here's hoping. So, well, until then, I guess we'll stay hydrated. Oh, stay melanated. And make sure the black women in your life are celebrated. And make sure your Shea Butter Bombs are always elevated. And yeah, with that said, have a great week. Stay blessed, stay fresh, and peace. Peace out, everybody.